0: this is the guardians and gladiators podcast special olympics based show with your hosts Lozi and coach
1: Here we go and welcome to this week's edition of Guardians and Gladiators. My name is Losey and always with me is my good friend, Coach. How are you? Excellent. Lose, how are you? I'm good. How was your week? It was pretty good. I have a week off this week
0: and uh, so I haven't done too much other than what we did on the weekend.
1: That was a fun Sunday afternoon. That was.
0: A unified golf tournament for the uh, end of the year for the Eagles golf. Came third. Came third. We meddled. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it was more or less a for-fun tournament. Thing, yes. But it was pretty good. It, yes. So unified. It was a non-athlete and an athlete playing together. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty good. Five a, five groups played and...
1: Played well. We did all right. We did all right. <laughs>
0: so who do we have across the table there?
1: We have a, another special guest. Maybe more special than Cam Jansen two weeks ago. <sighs> he was he's probably the guy that got me into radio just couldn't do it because of my abilities through school and just yeah folks you might have heard him call Corey Perry Brandon Surrett Danny Surrett all their good names from the 2005 Mario Cup Championship names the voice of the London Knights Welcome to the show, Mike Stubbs.
2: Chris, this is amazing. I, I'm so glad to be doing this. This has been a phenomenal show. Congratulations to the two of you on what you have accomplished because this is great. Yeah, you and I go way back. What you, Would you have been in elementary school when we first met? Pretty yes. sure. Yes, I yeah. think, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Wow, that's a long time, eh? Yeah.
2: It, well, not giving away your age.
0: <laughs> well, we already know that I'm a little bit
2: older Just than you. Just a
1: little bit. <laughs> it's great to have you here. I've been on your two shows. Now you're on mine.
2: Love it. That's the trade. That's that's how our industry works.
0: That's pretty fair. That's a pretty fair yeah. trade. Awesome. Thanks for coming out, Mike.
2: No, oh, really thanks appreciate for it.
0: Me. This uh, this is pretty cool. Yeah. We're uh, we're really starting to come along now in our uh, in our show and. We're starting to get more high pro- high profile uh, guests on, and I think you're you're about the the highest local we've we've had here.
2: Local, yeah. Well, that means you got a lot of room to go up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nah, you're selling yourself <laughs> too short. Uh, well, you want to start? Oh, actually, I guess before we get deep into uh, our questions and that, I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to some of our shows before, but uh, usually before we get going. We have the dad joke of the day and since you know we're all dads here. Here
1: it is. Here it
0: is. And I tried to look up uh like announcer jokes and they were pretty cheesy. Like not even like cheesy funny. Just, <laughs> Just like, oh that's not really that funny. <laughs> so I went to the next best thing. We went we went hockey. So why did the hockey player climb a tree?
2: This is Why? going in so many directions. <laughs> Why now, right? did he
1: climb a tree?
0: So he could join the Maple Leafs.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Your reactions are better than the jokes. You realize that.
0: hundred percent. One hundred percent. I love it. <laughs> the other one. The other one that uh, I don't think I said it on on the air, but. I had one for for Cam when he came on, and it was kind of appropriate for him. So it was, where does a hockey player get a new shirt?
2: He's gone through a few. He's gone right. through a few, but where yeah. does he get a new shirt? <laughs> where?
0: New Jersey. Oh. <laughs> get it, New Jersey, because a I new shirt. He played there, and that was the other reason too. He he did play there, <laughs> so I was trying to tie them together there. But, anyways. That's the dad joke of the day. Yeah. <laughs> good
1: stuff. How did you get into the radio broadcasting and what year did you
2: start? You know what? Uh, luck would be uh, would be the best way to describe that. I was actually fifteen and I was working in a gas station, and the gas station used to get seven customers a day if it was lucky. So over an eight hour shift. It was on a road that nobody used. I, was I don't just saying, know who that's in opened London? this. It was brand new. This was actually just outside Carlton Place, Ontario. Mm. So it was named Top Stop. That was the the company that did it. I I don't know whether they've caught on. I haven't really checked their stock price recently, but I don't think it's there. So Top Stop, I didn't have a lot of customers. I was bored, and uh, came home being the typical fifteen year old, saying, "I don't want to do this anymore." And so my parents basically said, well, you've always wanted to get into broadcasting. Why don't you call? There's a local radio station in Smith Falls, Ontario. Give them a call. Mm-hmm. And I bet if I called that number a thousand times, 999 times, somebody would have said, thank you for calling. I'll take your name and number. Yeah. I'll see you later. Instead, they put me through to the program director. And he happened to be looking for somebody to operate Sunday nights from 6 p.m. to 11 And I ended up getting that gig. And that's the only shift I worked, operated religious programming. (laughs) I'm not really religious at all. I can't even say I'm not the most religious. I'm I'm not a religious person. But I sat there and I listened to Through the Bible and Back the Bible. And every 30 minutes, I would have to hit a button and it would say CJET. And then I would hit the next show. And then I would sit there. That was my introduction to broadcasting. So a lot of things have uh, have become more entertaining since then. I think then. so. Just a little bit.
0: Just a teeny bit.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I can't imagine uh, listening to the radio that... Because I listen to Sirius. And, like, it's no filter, no nothing. I love it. It's the best. Yep. And going to, like, a religious radio station, I can mm-hmm. imagine that there was probably lots of... Uh,
2: Well, yeah, it wasn't unfiltered, (laughs) let's say. And this was just a portion of it. This was back in the day when radio was all things to all people. Mm -hmm. So Sunday nights gave you religion. If you tuned in earlier in the day, you might get the Beach Boys. You never quite knew what was going to be on that station.
0: It just happened to be that section was the religious period. (laughs)
1: Jeez. Well,
0: that's all right. And then so what pushed you there from from Smith Falls to... How'd you get to, did you go to, well, obviously you went to London because you went to Fanshawe?
2: Yeah, I went, uh, I was born in London and uh, had grown up in the Ottawa area, just outside of Ottawa in a couple of different locations and came time to go to university and instead of researching the schools that maybe had, you know, the best, whatever program I wanted to do, Mm -hmm. biology or whatever, I didn't want to do biology. Probably good that I didn't. And... Instead of looking at that, I started looking around at campus radio stations and Mm -hmm. play-by-play. And Western, CHRW, had just won an award. And I looked, and they did every single sports property. Women's Mm. basketball, men's basketball, hockey, football. And so I decided I want to go and do that. I want to get an education to fall back on. I want to do some growing up. I had some room to kind of grow. (laughs) And from there, I just was able to, to go into the radio station, and uh, pretty soon I was on the air calling all kinds of games, getting all kinds of experience. I mean, you don't even realize the experiences that you get. Two of the most difficult things that I've ever done in radio happened while I was at Western, and it had nothing to do with football or basketball or hockey. I was asked to interview Master Pan, who trained Bruce Lee. You oh. can look him up. Yeah, Real guy, yeah. and he came to Western. And somebody forgot to tell him that there would be no cameras. And so he set up in the atrium, in the University Community Center, all these mats, was all set to do all of these demonstrations. Mm-hmm. And I had shown up to do a radio interview.
0: <laughs> with just like your mic and stuff. With and Yeah, we,
2: we had a couple of headsets. And... It was all I could do to get him to answer one question, to talk about Bruce Lee, because he was over demonstrating, and he could do some amazing things. He carried around this this little chalkboard, and used to punch it, and one of his, he said, this hand iron, this hand silk, so he had a a hand that, you know, was, was completely intact, and the other one, well, it had been punching iron for a long time, and... He wanted to do demonstrations. He was doing backflips and roundhouse kicks. And I was sitting there, and for 60 minutes, I kind of described what he was doing and talked about what I knew of him, which wasn't a whole lot. So that was one. And then we had a, a news and sports director who really wanted to be in a radio broadcast of some kind as an athlete. Right, He'd done it as, you know, as a broadcaster mm-hmm. and so there was a game between the university student council and somebody else i don't mean, know I, they might have been playing police fire i don't know and we were set up to go and do this game and and greg brady and i greg works at 640 toronto right now and we somehow you know you could tell us to show up somewhere if it was broadcasting a game we were going to be there yep. without asking too many questions right and we got there we had no lineups And the internal speakers at Labatt Park where this was being played were turned on so they could hear everything that we were saying. And we really didn't know who was coming to the plate. We didn't really know who was playing. So the two of us having at least a little bit of experience. And I think I followed his lead. He's the smarter of the two of us. And we just kind of did a sports talk show. But the you know the ability to be plunked into a situation, be live on the air, yep. and not really know what's going on, and yet you still have to make something happen, yeah. was the best training I could ever get for every year that has come since. That's cool. <laughs> I, I can't imagine that.
0: I mean, we sit here doing this every week, and sometimes I just sit here and I'm like, to say
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's every day that's that's just the industry yeah (laughs) that's
0: cool so from so from uh western obviously doing a lot of the sports there they had the the football and all the hockey and what what kind of direction like what led you
2: to hockey from there like did you have a specific sport that you liked Hockey would always have been kind of number one. And I can remember a day when Mario Cercelli, who's still here in London, and I owe him many debts of gratitude. I owe a lot of people a lot of debts of gratitude. And they're free to come calling. I mean, no one has. Mm -hmm. They're nice. And I just try and return the favor for anybody else along the way. And I think that's kind of how things hopefully work. But he came up and he said, hey, the London Knights are looking for somebody. You should, at that time, hand in your tape. Right. And so I got a clear cassette tape out of the little box that we had at the back of the newsroom, and I put together some of my stuff and handed it and uh, ended up getting that job. Nice. And I can remember getting that job, but in at that time, the Knights were a team that you know, wasn't winning as much as they have been in the past. Mm-hmm. So if you think about the London Knights now versus where they were, Not all of their games were broadcast. So I was hired Mm. to do 33 games. That was it. And I can remember calling my father and saying, I I got this job. Yeah. And he said, great. What are they paying you? And I said, I don't care. He goes, no, seriously, you, you did work out to be paid. And I said, Dad, I would do it for a hat. Like, this is just something that I want to do. This right. is a foot in the door. So, no, I wasn't making a whole lot. There were two weeks out of that next year when I ate jam sandwiches. Mm-hmm. and that was Because that's all I had in the fridge, yep. peach jam. And I was able to afford a couple of loaves of white bread and uh, water out of the tap. Yep. And that was my meal three times a day. But got through that year, did those 33 games, ended up getting a part-time job. Yeah. And actually, I had three other part time jobs at one time. But no, it was uh, it was again an experience, growing experience and and kind of lifted off from there.
1: They went three and sixty three.
2: You know your stuff. You know your stuff. Three, (laughs) sixty and three. And that that was a year that looking back, whenever somebody brings up that year in Knights history, because the London Knights have seen both ends. Mm Mm-hmm. They have seen a year like that where they hold the record for fewest wins, fewest Mm -hmm. points in the OHL. And they also hold the record for most most wins, most points. So they've seen no other franchise, look around in any league, fits into that. And that year was something because people will say, why didn't you write a book? (laughs) you You never believed that this was going to continue. Greg Capillaro was the marketing director at that point. And he and I talk about this sometimes, that, yeah, we should have taken notes. But the way the season started, they lost games. And mm-hmm. they I think they tied their 14th game. So they were 0-13 and won. It was something yep. like that. And they didn't win their first game until the final game before the Christmas break. So we're talking December 20th, somewhere yep. around there. So they didn't win a game from late September until almost the end of December. Jeez. And that was the team. But even with that start, you always believed it was going to get better. I mean, Chris, you were there. You yeah. saw this. You yeah. never believed. You thought oh, at some point they'll go on a 3-4 game winning streak. Yeah. Never happened. Never. Nope. never happened. And so as it was happening, it was you were too close to it to appreciate this is unique. Yeah. And maybe if I'd, you know, taken the time to write down a few more notes, yeah, I'd have a book that three or four hundred people would read. Yeah. But instead, there's an awful lot of stories from that. And we can kick back and tell a couple if you want. <laughs> Go nuts.
0: I mean, so that was at the old barn, too, right? It was. Like, so, yeah. I mean, com- obviously, compared to the the Bud Gardens, <laughs> it'll always be the Bad Center. Um, You know, it's probably going to be way, way different, like...
2: It was. A little smaller. It was very loud. In the playoffs, it got very, very loud. And again, you didn't have the creature comforts. But at that time, the Barry Colts were just getting into the league, and they opened up their arena, and it was so strange. People Mm -hmm. would walk in and say, there's a restaurant in this junior hockey arena. Why is there a restaurant
0: in this junior hockey arena? Trust me, I know. I'm from Barry, so... I, I grew up with the Colts. There you and, go. And yeah. their their original arena was...
2: It was state-of-the-art. It was everything. Well,
0: the, the Molson Center. Oh, was, I meant, yeah. I meant there oh, before, the one before they moved into the Molson Center. It, it was downtown Barry. It had a very Barry. dark
2: staircase to climb up to call games.
0: Yeah, it was very, very small. <laughs> and, yeah, I think they might have had, like five or six rows for fans to sit in. Like, yeah, it was... It was
2: cold. You had to bring a coat and gloves. Yeah,
0: it was uh, pretty dank. (laughs) Double socks. So, yeah,
2: yeah, the the London Gardens, London Ice House wasn't quite like that. But, no, it didn't have the creature comforts. But, still, you you fell in love with the place. And it still, it played a role. That Mm. arena played a role that season. Because there was one game that they were playing, the Niagara Falls Thunder. And as the story many years later goes, Ryan Penny was the starting goalie for Niagara Falls that night, and their other goalie was injured. So he had to play, and he had the flu. And he had basically told the team, look, I don't, I don't know if I can stop the puck. And the Knights had built a 3-0 lead at the end of the first period. Niagara Falls was one of the best teams in the league. So this was that moment you mm. were thinking, Th- it's going to start to turn around. This yeah. is it. It's turning around. And a pipe backed up somewhere in the mall that is attached to that rink. They share plumbing. And water started to travel through the pipe system. And for whatever reason, this pipe ended over the blue line. And water had started to pour down onto the ice. And at the end of the first period, it's three nothing nights. Everybody's feeling good. And all of a sudden, you see the officials gathering together. And then you see... The off-ice official coming, and you're thinking, what's going on? And then the 15-minute intermission that they had in those days, Mm -hmm. well, it ended, and the players weren't back. And so I can remember putting on a longer interview, and the arena wasn't that large, running out of the press box, running around, running down the stairs, and trying to figure out what was going on. And they, at that point, and you're going to throw out any ideas – they were having a discussion as to whether or not they could put a pylon down at the blue line
1: <laughs> so that people would not go
2: there and they could maybe complete this game. And the hole in the ice was it was if you dropped a, a bowling jump, ball in the ice it that's about how big oh, wow. the hole was. So it was and I don't think the pylon discussion lasted longer than 10 <laughs> seconds before they said we you can't no, do that. This game is over and then Niagara Falls had to come back at a later date. Ryan Penny was feeling much better, and they won 7-1. It was that kind of year. Yeah,
1: And I believe Jason Allison was in top scoring. He
2: was the year before, and they'd the lost before. him. And so, yeah. yeah, he he and Nick Stajdahar had, had just been dynamite for the Knights, and they were in kind of that little rebuilding mode. And the unique thing is, you look at 95-96, That was a really tough year, Mm -hmm. and yet three years after that, as this rebuilding mode continued, they came within one win of going to the Memorial Cup for the first time. That
1: was the craziest playoffs I ever (laughs) seen is 1999. So what
2: made it crazy for you? So
1: here it was, Balboa Bulls, what? Jonathan Chi and
2: Justin uh, Papino. Yeah,
1: they all come here. Spanked London 7 2 first game. <laughs> London spanked them 7 3 the next the game. Go back down to Belleville. Belleville spanked them eight eight to eight to one or something like that. Went to seven.
2: Jeez. And the final game was nine two. <laughs> nine, just two. to keep with th- yeah, the theme. They they were Wow.
1: Yeah, it was great.
0: Holy moly.
2: (laughs) And Knights fans will talk about another playoff series from that. Remember, Chris, when they played Plymouth in the second round? Yep. And that went seven. Plymouth was a team that was absolutely stacked with players. Nobody
1: was bigger than 6-2 on that team.
2: Everybody (laughs) was bigger. They were good.
0: Holy cow.
2: They were good. And that last game, Plymouth... Played in Livonia, Michigan. Mm-hmm. They have the CompuWare Sports Arena, which is now home to the US National Development Team program. And it's a really nice facility, but it's it's kinda an area where it was just niche. So you had probably two thousand really dedicated fans and forty-five to, mm-hmm. so to five thousand seats. So forty five hundred to five thousand seats. Fans in London, you may have been one of them, got on buses. Ten and of them. Drove all the way. And from there, they were seated. They were given tickets right in behind Plymouth's net. Oh. And so all during the, the two periods warm-ups and for two periods, they were all over Plymouth's <laughs> goaltender. And the, yeah. the really strange thing, I can remember Pete James' wife tells this story. Carmen James tells the story that they were a little late getting to the game. And they walk in, and they hear this huge cheer, and they're thinking, we're down one nothing already, and they walk through the doors into the bowl of the arena. The knights are winning one nothing. There were so many fans there supporting the knights. From London, that was like how big the cheer or was. Eight ten
1: buses went down. Holy cow! <laughs> the last minute and a half, this national anthem they were singing. <laughs> oh, I bet <laughs>
2: <laughs> the things only junior hockey can bring. <laughs> That's
0: crazy. Yeah. So now you said you had left London for a bit after being at the old London Ice House there for for a while?
2: Yeah, went out to Calgary, got a job doing pregame and postgame with the Calgary Flames, and spent two years there. And two great years, met a lot of really, really amazing people, learned a lot about what I was doing Mm -hmm. from people who did it at the NHL level. And I can remember sitting at a practice, and the Flames play-by-play guy was a guy named Peter Marr. And he said, what is it that you want to do? I was about... I don't know, 24, 25 years old. And I said, I still want to do play by play. And he mm-hmm. says, Can I tell you something? I said, sure. He says, if you want to be doing play by play, be doing play by play. Yeah. That's how you're going to get better at it. And from there, I thought, yeah, I I could do the hosting job for, you know, forever if if I wanted to. Yep, But I'd rather be doing that. And we were starting a family at the time. So my wife and I were sitting in Brentwood in Calgary, which is right beside Nose Hill Park, this great big hill. And we were sitting in this little apartment and we had these two pages of full scap. One said pros, one said cons. And we just filled it out. And then we looked at both sides and we thought, okay, we'll make this decision. And so we tried to make the move back and it involved applying for the old job that I had, right. which had come open. And uh, I remember meeting with Mark and Dale Hunter as Calgary hosted the draft. And we kind of talked some things over. And next thing you know, we were packing up our cats and our plants and driving back across the and country. Die. Nice.
0: So who were you working? Was it specifically for the Flames? No, it was with a radio station. It was with the radio yeah, station.
2: Eh? It was called 66 CFR in those okay. days. Nice.
0: So. so it was almost like... It just so happened when the Hunters bought the uh, the Knights back, it was like right around the same time you were just itching to get back into.
2: That was it, and it just kind of kind of ended up working out. Yeah. That's all I know. Yeah. I don't know the inner workings of what was going on above me, but I put in kind of my application, and, and here I am, and I wouldn't change a thing. I yeah. really wouldn't. Looking back, I would not change a
0: thing. Yeah, because that was obviously back around 2000
2: then. Would have been 2000, yeah, yeah. for the 2000-2001 season. Another unique year, right, Chris? Yeah, because Aaron awesome. Molnar Aaron. started every game. Every game. As a goalie. Every single game. Is he the only guy who's ever done that? I think he is.
1: Yes. Shirell almost did, but I think because of the hit from Guelph, took him out for a couple okay. of games. Yeah. So I think Aaron was the only guy.
0: That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. For the amount of shots that junior goalies take. that's, that's... The
2: workload, three games and three nights yeah, sometimes. And... That's. That's he insane. was great.
0: You'd never see that in an NHL goalie. No.
2: I don't think we'll ever see it in junior. Again. No. But again, junior hockey gives you the things you only get to see once.
1: Yeah. There's a Rick Nash. He came and win.
2: Right then. Right then. Right then. In fact, when so, Mark and Dale had purchased the team, right, he was their first draft pick. He
1: had yeah. a a story. Gets picked to play in the uh, CHL top prospect game in Saskatchewan. hmm Knights needed one last one, a win to make the playoffs or go home. He plays in the tops. He's in Saskatchewan. Flies back. Plays the second period. In the third, got two goals and a two goals and two assists. Knights oh make the God. playoffs.
2: Incredible. <laughs> That's ridiculous.
0: He was such a good player for London too.
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Good kid. Yeah, and he was he was taken fourth overall in the OHL draft, which always seems strange because hmm. he eventually went first overall in the NHL draft. Yeah. Yeah. And Mark and Dale had seen him at a tournament. They hadn't had a lot of time to scout because Dale had been working for the Washington Capitals. Mark had been with the Sarnia Sting. Mm-hmm. So Mark had done a little bit of scouting, but they saw him and they went to the draft not expecting to be anywhere near Rick Nash. That's crazy. And the first pick, I think, was Patrick Jarrett. And which was a good pick at the time. That was exactly who he wanted to. Second yep. pick, St. Mike's gets up. Tim Brent. Mark and Dale are kind of looking at each other thinking, no one said Rick Nash yet, right? Can we, can we check that? Can we, can we look at those picks again? No one said Rick Nash? <laughs> Owen Sound gets up and you think, well, they're going to take yeah, Rick Nash. Would. Richard yeah. Power. They needed a defenseman. That, well, And Mark, they still joke about this. Mark has he's played in the National Hockey League. And he's moved quickly at times in his life. He's never moved faster because this was a draft in person than to get to the stage yeah. to race whoever yeah. had the fifth pick. Nope, yeah. you're you are not beating Mark to the stage. Oh. And he selected Rick Nash. Yeah.
0: And that's almost kind of around the same time that the London Knights really started to really turn themselves around and get some high profile players and like they, they knew what they were doing.
2: Oh yeah. Oh, they, you know what, it's been amazing to watch and there is no real secret to it. I mean, people say, well, how do Mark and Dale Hunter do what they do? Well, hard work is number one, two, three, four, and five in all of this. And then the knowledge that they have, the ability to find players Mm -hmm. and then the ability to develop them. Yeah, A lot of organizations at the junior level will be really, really good at one of those. But being good at both of them, Mm -hmm. that's hard. Yeah. And they have it. Yep. I think that's why a lot
0: of players really want to come to London. Well, because, again, like, you look in the last 15, 20 years, really since the Hunters have taken over, how many kids from London have gone on to the NHL? Like, a lot.
2: Oh, yeah. If you break it down, well, maybe this is the best way to say it without getting too number-heavy If you look at the number of players that come out of the OHL who should go on to NHL teams, it averages out to somewhere six, seven players per team. The Mm. Knights are usually north of 25. Yeah. Playing in the NHL at any given time. Yeah. So normally, like, if you are junior hockey team ABCD from mm-hmm. the OHL you should have six or seven of your former players playing in the NHL yeah they're usually they have a whole team they do <laughs> and how many people do that for the NHL games on EA Sports they'll make a Knights team yeah and they'll use that team yeah. that's that's been a thing that's happened that's true
0: and it ends up being a really <laughs> wicked
2: team like that's a stack team it is. that is a stack team <laughs> That's Patrick Kane and Corey Perry playing together with Steve Mason, who won the Calder Trophy in net. Yeah. Well, uh, and Rick Nash, who we say, were just talking about. Yeah.
0: Didn't Tavares play for oh, yeah. London there for, for a little few, bit? For yeah. half so a season. Like a, a half a season. Yeah, just for that little bit there.
1: I remember that when he got traded. We were, me, my wife, and my mom were at Joe Cool's watching the World Juniors. And because through Special Olympics, I get to meet like different guys like Bob McKenzie and and all those guys from TSN, and and we send emails once in a while back and forth. And before it hit the television, the lady from the London Free Press just took our picture. My phone goes off before the second or third period, and it was Bob McKenzie telling me, look, oh, buddy, Tavares is coming to London. No way. Nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody knows. I just wanted to tell
2: you first. How amazing what? is that? And,
1: and I kind of blurted out loud, <laughs> and the lady from the London Free Press is like, how true is that? I said, what's true? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great.
2: So, you were one of the first one people of the to first, know. Yeah.
0: That JT was coming to the nights.
1: Yeah. He didn't know any of the details, but he's like, it might come on during the third or near, like, suit on television, but you're going to be, you're the first guy i tell telling you. Wow.
0: Lucky duck you.
1: <laughs> Man.
0: Are you privy to some of those? Uh trade notes every once in a while. Every
2: once in a while and and it's it's exactly like Chris says. Yeah. You have to know what you can tell and what you can't. Yeah. And if you wind up telling something that you shouldn't, yeah. you're not gonna find out. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not specifically asking do you know anything for this year? I just you know Does it happen? It does happen. Yeah, yeah no. It does happen. That's cool.
1: If you look up London versus Oshawa nineteen ninety eight that was the best probably the best brawl fight you would see in junior hockey chris kelly beach and everybody else was there it was funny we were uh, sitting behind the penalty box when this fight broke out you can see chris kelly was all hyped up jumped over the boards, threw his stuff down and everybody just skated right past him and just like now you just see <laughs> dom brankley just come on kid you're getting a penalty for being don't know. No, just come on, just come here. You know what, no one know.
0: I wouldn't want to mess with him.
2: No, no way.
0: So, like, I was gonna say, you know, you have watched a lot of players, obviously in the O, um, and you do know that we did have Cam Jansen on on the show a couple weeks ago. Do you remember any games of of him playing with? He was with the Spits and Oh, sure. the Guelph?
2: Yeah, I can remember walking by the Windsor Spitfire dressing room, and I think he was probably only 17. And you looked at his stature, and you thought, "Wow, I mean, he he was just an intimidating presence yeah. at a time when you could still really have that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't exist in the same way; it's not utilized in the same way. And you know, we can sit and have a debate forever as to whether that makes hockey better, worse, or." neither of of those Mm -hmm. but no cam was he was a player that you noticed on the ice because he was that presence yeah and in junior you know you you never really realize because cam when he went to professional ranks he had to do a lot of fighting he had to do a lot of the physical stuff Mm -hmm. but in junior all of those guys show just how good they are at playing the game of hockey yeah and so he could put pucks in the net as well. Yeah. And so that was something that, you know, because you always think, oh, you know, the, all those guys that, that just fight. All right, go out on the ice with them and skate around with them. Yeah. And if you think that you're going to fly by them and deke through their skates. Yeah, right. You had another thing coming. <laughs> yeah.
0: Those guys can still skate. They're they great. can still, yeah, stick handle. And, yeah. Yeah, because he, he, he told us a little, well, I mean. Like the first time he came to London or one of the first times he got into a tilt with uh Prest. Okay. And uh, he got his he got his bell rung on that one. I think he is what yeah, he said. Yeah,
2: a
1: few good hick Yeah.
2: Yeah. Brandon's such a great story because he was a free agent to the Knights. Walk he hadn't up, been drafted. Walk on. And at the end of his first training camp, he was only seventeen, and the Knights had said to him, All right, you know, we want you to go and play with the London Nationals a little bit and so he said, Okay, that's fine. And as he's leaving the dressing room, he says to Don Brankley, keep my equipment warm for me because I'm going to be back. And a couple of weeks (laughs) later, there was an injury. And so they call up Brandon Prust from the London Nationals. And Dale Hunter takes him into the coach's room before the game. They're playing in Windsor, Mm -hmm. you know, probably against Cam Jansen. (laughs) Yeah. And they're playing in Windsor. And Dale says, all right, Brandon, I'm not going to put you in the lineup tonight, but just go up into the stands and here's what I want you to watch. And Brandon kind of stops him. And he says, uh, Mr. Hunter, I just want you to know, if you put me in the lineup tonight, you'll never take me out. Dale put him in the lineup that night. Never came out. <laughs> never man. went back to the Nationals. <laughs> nope. uh, it's not cocky, obviously. He's no, very, it's, very he's confident. And you confident. know what? He had yeah. to go through so much to make it to where he did because yeah. he was always the guy who... You know, wasn't drafted in the OHL, was drafted in the NHL, yeah. but had to go through a lot of that stuff. Yeah. And
0: he, he was a pretty stout player, too. Like, he, he played hard. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a shame he didn't play any longer than he did, but.
2: Well, the body starts to to really feel the effects of playing physical for so many years. Yeah. But...
1: 2005. Are we going to get to that? <laughs> We're going to get to <laughs> that. Let's get to
2: 2005.
1: <laughs> NHL lockout happens. We knew. Their plan to build,
2: what a team. Oh, what a t- And you know what? Going back to when Mark and Dale had first purchased the team, it didn't take long before they started to look ahead. Mm-hmm. And their depth charts go into the future as long as they can go. They're, they're always thinking ahead. And they looked and they saw that the OHL was going to have an opportunity to bid for the Memorial Cup to be the host mm-hmm. in 2005 and that London had never hosted it and so they decided they wanted to try and build the best team they could for that year, and the lockout certainly helped because would Corey Perry have been on the team? No. Probably not, but instead you wind up with the team of the century, 59 wins, and a whole lot of fun mm-hmm. for this city.
0: And that was also the year, too, that Sidney Crosby was coming up as well, right? Crosby. Like that was, that was one of the big stories was Crosby's going to be in the Memorial Cup. He's been this, like, huge phenom of a player, and then he comes into
2: London, and we shut him down. The guys on the bench, on the team, because one of the best games ever played, and Chris, I don't know if you think this is one of the best, but I still think one of the best games ever played in London was the first game of the Memorial Cup. Yes, yes. London and Ramouski. Yes. And the puck drops at center ice, and the guys are watching on the bench. Sidney Crosby's on the ice, and... I think he was. I think he was playing center actually. So he won the faceoff, and he got the puck back pretty quickly. Toe dragged the defenseman, came across the blue line, fed up just a pass, a rocket across the ice, and his teammate rang it off the crossbar. And everybody on the Knights bench went, "We're uh, we're in a different world now." And at the end of the first period, Ramuski was winning three one. Yeah, that's what I thought. I remember them winning. And they least... went back into the room, and you asked them, you know. Did you guys talk about much? And they said, Well, you know what we actually did? We sat down and we said, Hey, we're down three-one, and he's amazing, but other teams have played him. They haven't won every game they played this year. Mm-hmm. You know, we're a good team too. Let's just go out and do what we do. Yep. Mark Mathot. Mark Mathot came back. Remember it? Mark Mathot and Corey Perry yep. going down the ice on a two on one in overtime, because it eventually went to overtime. Mark Mathot and Corey Perry, and everybody in the crowd is going 2-2 two, two, because Mathot was coming late. Corey had the, the puck, and Mathot crossed the blue line, and Corey Perry threaded him this beautiful pass, and he walked in alone, and he scored his second goal of the game. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> if there was ever another time when he scored two goals in a game in his entire career, now, but boy, was that, that important. That
1: was a good one. That was probably the best yeah, one. Yeah,
2: that's
0: nuts. <laughs> Yeah, and and it's not like London was there because we were hosting it. Like we were there legitimately. We had that really. The
1: hunters did not want to go through that door. They wanted to go. We're gonna kick some ass time. Let's win.
2: Go through the front door. Yeah, that was that was one of the things they kept saying. Don't go through the back door. Let's go through the front door, and they did.
0: Yeah, because it's it's never fun to see that you know. Because there has been a couple times where like an almost last place team is hosting the Memorial cup and they're in it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, it's kind of lame, but it's awesome that London, oh, yeah. you know, played the way that they did to get that far. So, and and you were obviously com- commentating on, on that. So mm-hmm.
2: oh,
1: yes.
0: when, uh, when they got to that last game there, what was that like?
2: It was, it was nuts. The city was nuts. And the, it, the game was about as well played as you could imagine the Knights had two goalies at that time and one of the neatest stories from that time Gerald Coleman and Adam Dennis were the two goalies and Adam Dennis ended up playing the final game and Dale Hunter was in his coach's office and I'll give you the Hollywood version because I've talked to Dale and and Adam about this and both of them kind of downplayed a little bit but it's kind of what happened so this is the Hollywood version of it. Right inside the London Knights dressing room door yep. was Dale's coach's office. It's now a little deeper in the dressing room, but that's where it was. And he was there watching some last-minute video, doing something. I mean, that's that's just what Dale does. Mm-hmm. He's that prepared. And so he's, he's in his office, but the door is open. And he sees somebody walk by, and he thinks it's probably Chris Matton. Knight's equipment manager just checking on something or doing some, maybe coming in to sharpen somebody's skates. Somebody called him and said, Hey, I, instead of five eights, I want this. And he didn't quite see who it was. And so he just went back to doing what he was doing. And then he saw somebody walk past the door going the other way. And he kind of caught a glimpse. He said, Denny, is that you? And Adam Dennis pokes his head around the door and he says, Dale, if you put me in net tomorrow, we're going to win the Memorial Cup. And I think Dale took his game sheet at that point and wrote mm-hmm. down 28. Adam Dennis <laughs> in goal, and he shut out the Ramuski Oceania. Yeah,
1: he got a point too.
2: Yeah, it he did. <laughs> You're right. He did. Your memory's phenomenal. He, got an he did get that an assist. Was one of the
1: goals. <laughs>
2: yeah. So yeah, that was that was great. I mean, the the knights got a goal from Danny Fritchie. It was pretty tense early, and then Danny Fritchie scored from a really impossible angle, yeah. and that just seemed to start it. Yeah. And then they kind of went from there. David yes. Boland scored. Brian Rodney, uh, Rob Schramp, I think had the last yeah. one, and and then it was countdown and fireworks and. Yeah. Horns honking down Richmond Road yeah. till at least three or four in <laughs> yeah, the morning. I, yeah. I kind of vaguely remember that. It was pretty. Uh... Vaguely is probably the best way to say it. I think everybody's in that boat. <laughs>
0: yeah. And I think we've only won the Memorial Cup once. No. After that? No. No.
1: That's it. Just Ten once? years later. Well,
0: that's what I mean. Like... We
1: go down, we get Christian. No.
2: Yeah, Christian Dvorak.
1: Dvorak. Matthew Gachak, Matthew Gachak, Mitch oh, Marner, Marner. Yeah, I forgot We get those boys play. to come to London yeah, to that's play. I forgot he
0: played for
2: London. Yeah, and that was in Red Deer, and they had been to a couple of Memorial Cups just before that, mm-hmm. and so they went in. Jeff Hare was their marketing director, and as we're getting off the plane in Red Deer, Jeff says, we're wearing black all tournament because they were the... I don't know whether it was, I don't know, it was seed or, or what it was, but they, they could wear whatever uniform they, they wanted to. And he said, yeah, we're wearing the blacks because yep. that's we're mean. We weren't mean enough last time. We're going to be mean. And they went in, and they they really blew away the competition. Overtime. In, in that. And into the last game. And that last game, there's two really good stories from that last game. So they, they beat Red Deer pretty handily. They blew away the Brandon Wheat Kings 9-1 in a game. And they beat Rouen Aranda, And then you have to wait from Tuesday to Sunday to play. It's a long wait while the That's other teams are wait. playing because you've earned the bye to the final. Right. And so they get to the final, and, and yeah, it's it's tough because it's one game. Yep. You've been thinking about it for a long time, and it begins. And Chase Marchand was the goalie for Rouen Randa, and he had played a little bit in the OHL but hadn't really caught on. And he seemed to take that to heart and he was going to beat whatever OHL team was there Mm -hmm. and so he was making crazy saves early so it was close and the Knights scored but 11 seconds after that Ruan Aranda tied the game and and then it stayed that way and then Ruan Aranda ended up going ahead and there were about four minutes left in the game and on the bench players heads are starting to sag a little bit they're thinking like we're down 2-1 this is a really good team that we're playing Maybe it's just not our day. Mm-hmm. And they were into a TV timeout. And during that TV timeout, Brandon Crawley, who was a defenseman of the Knights, gets up from the far end of the bench. He walks to the middle of the bench. And he starts screaming, it doesn't end this way. Right. This is not happening. It, this is not happening. And he did it for almost a minute and then just went and sat back down. And the guys kind of picked up a little bit. And Dale... Will, if something's not going right, mm. he'll just try something different. He's he's never afraid to just say, well, I just I had to try something. Right. To try and mix something up. And Christian Dvorak had been taking face-offs in the defensive zone on his side of the ice all game long. If the Knights could get it out of their zone, he'd go to the bench because mm-hmm. he played with Mitch Marner and Matthew Kachuk. And so as he's skating out to take a face-off in the London end, Dale Hunter says, hey, stay out. Yeah. And if you look at the way that play develops, the puck goes down the ice. Yeah. Max Jones gets knocked down.
1: Yeah, that's and he guy. looks at the
2: referee, and that's really important because the puck is shot around the boards and goes into the right corner. And Max is a little late getting there. Mm-hmm. And so he comes in, and he's a little angry that he got knocked down. And he's he could hit with a force. Yeah, he could. Still yeah. can. And so he goes into that corner, and he hits whoever is there. And it jars the puck loose to Aaron Barisha. And Barisha centers it, and who's standing in front? The guy who shouldn't have been on the ice, Christian Dvorak. He should be on the bench. He scores, ties the game. Yes. And those two, that that whole sequence, yeah. you know, you couldn't write it up. It doesn't sound like that big a deal, yeah. but that tied it up. And from there, even in the overtime, yeah. Matthew Kachuk was somebody, as a junior player, even though he was 18 turning 19, He just had this leadership quality. You just, anything he wanted you to do, you knew it was the right choice. He just, he has such great leadership qualities. And he had everybody calm down in the dressing room. And wouldn't you know, it was his shot that may have glanced off Christian Dvorak and into the net. Nobody really cares now. There was a big celebration.
0: (laughs) And that's the kind of stuff that you don't normally hear, right? Like. All that stuff that happens on TV breaks and, you know, you don't you don't see it, you don't no. hear it. And and that makes stories like that so much better.
2: Right. Like especially the wins. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. When it can end with a happily ever after. There's a lot of stories I could tell like that. that yeah. uh, They don't really go. Six two loss. Yeah. They, they don't really have the same impact. No. Still. <laughs> still. That's good. Um, do you do any charity work? You know what? As much as I can, you get yeah. all kinds of opportunities yeah. to do it. So whether it's emceeing events mm-hmm. or attending events, absolutely. Yeah. Being involved in events, you know, runs, walks. Yeah. They're, uh, yeah they're, have,
0: you, have you done much with Special Olympics other than like the interviews and that with uh, Losey?
2: You know what? I haven't, but I was telling my daughter earlier this week as I get older and now no longer have kids that I'm taking to sports and things, that's something I do want to get involved in. And special Olympics would be one of those things that I'd love to do more. So can you guys help me? Absolutely. There we go. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Yes, we can.
0: (laughs) Yes, we can. (laughs) Absolutely. Honestly, it's, it's been one of the funnest things I've ever done. Like I just started what a year and a half ago. Yep. Thereabouts. Um, I started at middle way through the pandemic. Um, I've, to, um, I'm the head coach now of the floor hockey team. Nice. Yes. Yep.
2: You guys are always good. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. I know Chris and I have discussed that uh, our, our big goal is to be at the World Games in Calgary uh, in 2026. Yes. Um, so See, we're, planning ahead. Look at this. this <laughs> yeah. You're your right on <laughs> schedule. <Yep. laughs> we're working on that. That's that's our big goal, obviously. But, you know, smaller goals is we got to hopefully try to get some tournaments in and, you know, work our way to a a provincial game type thing but um i mean i also do powerlifting and uh track and field Um, amazing i'm gonna do volleyball this in the winter time so it's been it's been so much fun and i mean you don't even really have to commit a lot of time to it like granted i've been sucked in (laughs) 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 you know (laughs) You start one you thing. You sign and then...
1: the paper that join. you're not gonna get out.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I mean we can definitely put you in touch with somebody. Yeah, like, I'd love to. You know, there, yeah. there's so many things. Like if, if you know, if there's something that you know you're kinda interested in, there's there's so many sports. Like, you know, we did the golf, there's the golf team, there's basketball, there's bocce, there's the floor hockey, there's
1: baseball baseball, like yeah.
0: You know, and if you don't want to coach, you know, there's so many other volunteer opportunities. Like you mm-hmm. can you can be I don't know a registered everything. person, yeah. you could be a team manager, <laughs> sure. like yeah. you know. It's yeah. It's so much fun. And the athletes just make it everything. Like it's just it's it, I don't know. It's what it's, sport's it's, all about. You're yeah. doing
2: it for the love of the game.
0: It, absolutely. Yep. And, and you know, I, I get so much out of it just, just from them. Like, I definitely get – and everybody who's who's a volunteer who's been on the show has said pretty much the exact same thing. Like, you get so much more out of it than you put into it. I mean, e- like, I've coached my kids hockey and baseball since they were, like, four or five years old, and I have not had as much fun coaching as I had with these Special Olympic guys.
2: Yep. That's great.
0: And now we do this show, yeah, which is cool.
2: <laughs> well, congratulations on the show because it's great. You. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you so much for having me here. Oh, thanks for coming.
0: I mean, it's it's been a lot of fun. It's it's definitely come a long way since since its humble
2: beginnings for sure.
1: Yeah, Silver, so Zoom the first season, and now this this is where I wanted it to be.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. with the video component and everything, yeah. sky's the limit for you guys. <laughs> exactly. I know. Who would be the guest? Who would be if you were sitting across from the table, or even you had them zoomed in? Who would it be? Well, we did. You did scratch off one one big list.
0: Kim right? Jensen. Kim Jensen, Yeah, that was a big one.
1: I heard Dale Hunter it was the hardest guy to get an interview
2: from. <laughs> ah.
1: multiple people. He would have been He would probably. Dale the, tells some great he stories. He would be the guy that okay. I would want.
2: All right. Put a bug in his ear. Right. <laughs> <Hey, well, hey. laughs> I'll be seeing him soon.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: It's all up to you, man. I'm just. I just here him press record and. <laughs> <Yep>. and do <laughs> Tell all all my the bad editing. Jokes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, something like that, or like another. Another guy like John Tavares because now he's. Part of his organization is now part of Special Olympics. So mm-hmm. oh, that's, right. we,
2: that's a great that one. That would
1: be another good guy to try to get. Yeah. Yeah.
2: What well, when they exit the playoffs early. Oh, next don't year. let the Leaf fans hear you say that. <laughs> oh, boy.
1: <laughs> Question. Sure. Mark Hunter, he was still the GM of the Maple Leafs, if they kept him on instead of Tobias or whatever his name is now. Mm-hmm. If is. he knew he had the chance of getting Gennariti that he that they did, would he take the gamble <laughs> to get Mark on Flurry on board as well?
2: Oh, boy, that's, to have the big run—that's a tough one. I, you know, that's one to ask Mark. I don't even want to speculate. <laughs> Mark, Mark will make these moves. He'll 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 pick up players in deals, mm-hmm. and you'll think, I've seen that guy play. He he can play and then you watch them play night after night and you realize why Mark went out and made that trade. He saw something that very few people are able to see. And so, you know, I, I don't know, you know, (laughs) what would have been in his mind, that would be a question for him. But I always marvel at what he does in picking up players, and you realize how useful they are, or maybe mm-hmm. there was one ingredient that a team was missing, and boom, yeah. there it is. He found it in a guy that, that you didn't really know much about, or maybe fans didn't know much about, and and yet that guy provided the ingredient. And there you go, there's another successful season. Yeah,
0: I was gonna say he probably doesn't look at just the flashy players, but I mean, he has signed a bunch of those. But
2: sure, well, all- 2016, big pickup. Jacob Graves, a defenseman, yeah. and people might not know the name Jacob Graves. It doesn't jump off the page. Yeah. 2005, Drew Larman, big yeah. pickup for the London Knights. Yeah. And again, same sort of thing. Yeah. Both have gone on to enjoy some professional hockey ex- yeah. success, but no, those were guys that made humongous yeah. differences. Because they're
0: all-around players, right? Like, mm-hmm. They're not they're and not just the at. ingredient, whether it's yeah. a
2: little grit or, in Drew's case, penalty killing, winning face-offs. You know, whatever it happens to be. Yeah. Yeah, he's not afraid to go out and say, Yeah, this is what we need. I'm gonna make sure we get it. Yeah. Hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: Neat. I'm all out of questions. Oh wait, we always have one more. Oh yeah. Do you have any do you have any more?
1: No. no? I'm done.
0: Um our big one. Our big one. So we ask everybody
2: this. What's your preference? Chips or sweets? I'm gonna know chips. Yes. Especially if they're Doritos. Yeah, I could get by without sweets, but chips, no. Can't get by without those. You are now my best friend. Don't take those away. My best friend.
0: (laughs) Excellent. This guy is weird he likes everything both, both? I didn't at know the I
2: was same allowed to say time. both well, at I mean, the same time at the same time no wait a minute like okay but car- like popcorn if you go Chicago style popcorn where you have the cheese okay, and the caramel good. that's good that's, that's good. kind of a chip yeah. and a sweet yeah, yeah, you'll yeah. do like different stuff at the same time I, yeah.
1: I will take caramel chocolate bar Hmm. take a piece put on top of a chip and put another chip on top and make a sandwich
2: I'm not quite there yet no <laughs> not, I don't know if I'm ever there you enjoy that <laughs> I
0: keep trying to tell him to do, like, a, a chocolate dip ruffle, like the wavy okay. ruffle. Those ones are actually pretty good.
2: But as yeah, far not get away with that. I yeah. don't know if I'm making sandwiches. No.
1: And if I had chip dip, i dip it in. No!
2: All right, <laughs> I'm out. i out. I told you. <laughs> Sense is with me.
1: Yeah.
2: Can't. Can't do it. And I've eaten chicken feet. Yeah. So, no. The things you get to do in radio. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. <laughs> No
0: doubt. So what's uh what's on the plan for uh the nights coming up in the next week or two or leading up to the
2: Well, preseason season. gets going and, and then things just kinda roll. Yeah. And so they'll get through uh the first part of the year and here's hoping that we have a much more normal year. Yeah. The guys were able to do normal training over the summer which is a big help they weren't stick handling around paint cans in the garage and trying to figure out how to make things in their basement that was two years ago that's what they were up to so yeah it's been far more normal and knock on wood we get to keep going in that direction that's good
1: big signing today
2: yes sam dickinson so the London Knights now have a defenseman who is added to a really deep defense corps who's only 16 yeah. but is really high re- highly regarded by Scouts already six foot 296 pounds <laughs> one of those guys you speak to and you think you're not 16 you're 30 <laughs> but he's 16 but the maturity level is yeah. there tremendous guy That's great good. addition so
0: on those like so on those signings there what involvement do you have? with that are you just there to do i'm just there to or? report yeah. it yeah
2: more than anything and yeah. you do that post for, the news
0: conference yeah you so you do that for global or the nights yeah. or
2: yeah yeah so yeah just put on the reporter hat and away you go that's all right it's fun yeah
0: do you go into an office or do you have your own home office menu? uh What's...
2: well the last two and a half years i've been at home apparently we're transitioning back into the office so, so yeah I mean, I don't mind it because no. you need to be around people for the creative juices. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's kind of been nice to be able to be home. I even did games at times this past year at home. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We couldn't go into the U.S. And so at least as, as broadcasters, we couldn't. Yeah. And so um, I would do those games off the CHL feed in the basement with the dog curled up next to you. So they'd finish the game. They'd have a long bus ride home. I'd finish the game, <laughs> go walk our up six steps and have a glass of wine with my wife. So <laughs> there were perks. Yeah. There were perks. Yeah. But you miss being in the arena, you miss being around the guys, and yeah. I'm looking forward to that. So
0: when you when you go out, obviously you travel with the team then. Uh do you travel on the bus or do you go on your
2: own or No, just travel with the team on the bus. Yeah. So well, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Keeps you young because the way that it's situated on the bus, every bus sits the same way. It goes coaching staff and then trainers, and then eventually we're kind of you know what hockey would call the grocery stick yeah. where you're the break between the, the coaches and managers and personnel and the players. Yeah. So we're the last line, but you've got 16-year-olds you, sitting behind you. And uh, that keeps you young. Yeah. Keeps you young. Yeah. And you get the best of both worlds too, right? Absolutely. You get, you get to hear all the little
0: snippets from the coaches. <laughs> and...
2: Well, the guys are usually wearing headphones. Yeah. So there's not a lot to hear from them unless it's, hey, does this arena, you know, have, have uh, is the it Wi-Fi? cold? or Yeah. <laughs> does the it have Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi? Whatever it happens to be. <laughs> Some question about the arena or how long it takes to get there. <laughs> are we there yet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're dealing with teenagers? That's the biggest question they want the answer to. Yeah, Where's the closest McDonald's? <laughs> Probably. Uh, that's
0: funny. Well, I'm good. Well, again, Mike, thank you so, so much for coming out. I'm Thanks glad... for having yeah, me. It. This great has been team. fun. It's been yeah,
2: great it's... reminiscing. Yeah. Chris and I have done this a lot throughout the years. It's nice to do it in front of microphones. Yeah, yes. he's
0: told me many, many times the uh, stories with uh, going to your radio station and being on your show. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Many was, times. He's telling me about the the story where... Uh,
1: when we went to ottawa for one of the provincial games we did a phone call interview from the united station
2: i remember that (laughs) hey we'll take you anywhere as long as the phone line's working no problem i don't care where you're standing try not to stand in the middle of traffic but (laughs) you're good we had what we needed yeah that's great that's funny no, it's it's been it's been
0: awesome. I'm um, so, you know, hopefully the nights do well this year, and uh, we get to hear your voice on the radio some more. And yes.
2: Look forward to it. It's Can't wait. Good. Thanks, guys. Well, anything else? Nope. All right, we'll shut her down. Right.
1: Until next week, folks. Be safe. Be kind. See you next week.
0: Bye, everybody.